Shalom, everyone. Can we uh, say shalom to each other? Shalom. shalom. Do you know what you've said? Peace. Peace, yes. Well, now you're starting to learn a few Hebrew words tonight. <laughs> That's great. Um, uh, the first one was Baruch, which is blessed. And uh, now you've learned peace, shalom. And we'll end, hopefully, with amen. Another good Hebrew word, which is, what does that mean? Sorry? means truth. So, um, thank you. Pastor John, sorry that I got the, the scriptures all, all, all uh, mixed, mixed up. Um, I didn't mean to do that. Um, and uh, so that is my fault. Uh, so if you're worrying about your, your, your bulletins, it is, it's just me. Uh, sometimes, you know, Jewish people greet you with the word shalom, and we also say goodbye to you with the word shalom. Do you know why that happens? Well, the truth of the matter is we don't know if we come in or go and we just say shalom. <laughs> um, so, when last have you read anything from Leviticus anywhere? Long time back a little bit? <laughs> or perhaps, yeah, well, uh, we've read something tonight from Leviticus and it's about the festival of Shavuot or Pentecost as you know it. This is one of my most favorite feasts and um, festivals in, in, in uh, the, the Hebrew scriptures. Um, now, there are various names associated with Shavuot. Could, could I bring this up a little bit? Is that possible? Oh, like that, eh? Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to share with you some of these names, first of all, of uh, this, uh, uh, the Hebrew names of this, this feast. The first one is uh, called Hag Shavuot which is uh, known as the Feast of Weeks, and it's found in Exodus chapter 34, verse 22, and also in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 10, uh, because the feast occurs seven weeks after Passover. Now, Passover is um, right at uh, the beginning of, of uh, the uh, Gregorian year. The second name for this uh, festival is known as Chag Habikurim. Do you think we could try and say that? Chag Ha Bikarim. Not too bad. <laughs> That's, it sounds a bit like that. The, and that is known as the day of first fruits in uh, Numbers 20, uh, chapter 28, verse 26. This name is shared with the previous feast, the feast of first fruits. And then the thirdly, it's known as Chag Ha Katsir. Chag Ha Katsir. Uh, the harvest feast, the harvest feast, and it's no, it's also in uh, it's in Exodus chapter twenty three verse sixteen. Um, this, as this feast marked the beginning of the wheat harvest, as the feast of first fruits uh, marked the beginning of the barley harvest. Then, fourth, uh, fourthly, it's known as Pentecost, uh, which is familiar to all of us. Pentecost, right? Okay, uh, the feast is, all, uh, is known as Pentecost from the Greek word for 50. It occurs on the 50th day after Passover. And then the, the fifth name of this festival is known as Zaman Matan Toratenu. I'm going to ask you to help me with this one again. Zaman Matan Toratenu. Not too bad. The time of the giving of our Torah. 
the time of the giving of our Torah. And of course, the Torah is the first five books of Moses, hey? Okay, and um, uh, in rabbinic times, uh, in the times of the destruction of the second temple in 70 AD, the rabbis began to teach that God gave the law to Moses 50 days after the Passover, uh, during the Feast of Pentecost, based on uh, this verse in Exodus chapter 19, verse 1, and it says this, In the third month after the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they unto, uh, into the wilderness of Sinai. On this festival, uh, in temple times, two loaves of bread called Shetei Halachem, Shetei Halachem, two loaves of bread, one in this hand, one in that hand. Okay, you can picture that, all right? Were waved before the Lord as we see commanded in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 17 to 20. And these had to be offered uh, from the finest wheat, from the produce grown in Eretz Yisrael, from the land of, of Israel. It is very interesting to note that these Loaves were made with leaven. Since leaven is symbolic of sin in the Bible, uh, these loaves could not uh, represent God or uh, the Messiah uh, who are sinless. So what do these two loaves represent? I suggest that these two loaves of bread were prophetic. These loaves spoke of a mystery that was still to come. The mystery of the body of believers in the Messiah of Israel who would be made up of redeemed, sinful human beings. Hence the leaven nature of the bread. These, were, uh, two, lo- these two loaves were to uh, represent both Jews and Gentiles. Both are equal uh, in status before, uh, before God. Both have been redeemed and made one in the body of Messiah. As it says, and uh, of course we read it uh, very lovely here in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 14 to 17, where it speaks of the two being one. Okay, and uh, that, that is a beautiful scripture. Now, here we see how Gentiles are heirs together with Israel in the promises of God. Here we see how the church are partakers together with Israel, not overtakers, as some churches are fond of teaching. Together as Jews and Gentiles, we share in the promises of God that are in uh, Messiah Jesus. Isn't that beautiful, friends? These loaves were waved before the Lord as a pleasing offering before Him. And indeed... That is what we are. When we live in unity and fellowship with one another, honoring God in everything uh, we do, all uh, the people living in uh, the villages of ancient Israel uh, would first assemble in the large towns in the district and would go up to the temple together uh, with the first ripe fruit uh, uh, offerings, singing uh, parts of the Psalms. Now, this is really beautiful. Uh, on, on three occasions, uh, the, uh, the, uh, all of the inhabitants of Israel were commanded by God to go up to Jerusalem. 
first one was Passover. Uh, all of uh, all of the inhabitants of Israel were commanded to go up to the Lord, uh, to Jerusalem by the Lord. Then Shavuot, which is the one I'm talking about right now, and then of course the last one being um, the Feast of Tabernacles. And you can just imagine this uh, this 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 procession uh, of of people. Um, with uh, with uh, with uh, the best of the harvest in their hands, singing the psalms, and they would normally sing uh, the psalms uh, from 120 to 134. I'm not sure you've gone through those psalms, but they're really lovely psalms, um, and they uh, they speak very uh, beautifully um, of our relationship with God. And um, so you can picture this uh, these these processions going up to Jerusalem. Now, the, um, they would be singing the Psalms, and, and in synagogue it is customary to read the book of Ruth at Shavuot. The rabbis give several reasons for this. Firstly, the story of Ruth took place during harvest times. Then uh, Ruth was an ancestor of King David, who traditionally had died on Shavuot. Thirdly, uh, the book uh, of Ruth records her conversation to Judaism. So it is an appropriate reading for the, for the festival, which uh, commemorates the giving of the Torah. Uh, and then uh, that Ruth's loyalty is symbolic of Israel's loyalty to the law. And then lastly, it is also customary to adorn the synagogue with plants, flowers, and trees of on Shavuot. Because as tradition has it, Sinai was a green mountain. Has anybody been to Sinai here? Never been uh, to the desert countries? You've been there? You've been to Sinai? Is it a green mountain? <laughs> it sounds like it's the opposite to a green mountain, doesn't it? Uh, it, it? It's actually not a green mountain, but this is what the rabbis say, okay? Now, um, you know, uh, Shav- uh, 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 green mountain, and Shavuot is, is judgment day for trees. Uh, whether they w- uh, will be fruitful or not, some rabbis disapprove of this custom because it is a similarity to, to a certain church festival called Christmas. Okay, now, anyhow, whichever rabbi said that Mount Sinai was green obviously never visited uh, uh, the site himself uh, because as our friends at the back who have been to Mount Sinai uh, know that there's no green thing there. It's just rocks and sand, okay? And uh, that's all that can be found for miles around. It is also customary in some uh, uh, communities to eat dairy products at Shavuot and to eat kreplach. Does anybody here know what kreplach is? Not quite sure? Okay. Actually, it's really nice. Now, uh, this is uh, a three-cornered Jewish ravioli. If you can picture such a thing, okay? Um, Unlike a Gentile ravioli, Jewish ravioli has to have three corners, okay? And of course, the rabbis have very good reason for eating three-cornered Jewish ravioli. Now, firstly, it is because the Hebrew scriptures, the Tanakh, has three parts. 
the Torah, which is the law, uh, the Nevim, the prophets, and thirdly, the Ketuvim, the writings. Secondly, because Jews, since temple times, are divided into three parts. The Kohanim, which are the priests, uh, the Levitim, which are the Levites, and thirdly, the Israelites, who are the rest. And then, now, the law was uh, given uh, in the third month. And finally, Moses was the third child of his parents. So we Jews have to find a reason for everything we do. <laughs> no wonder we make such good lawyers. Anyway, now let's look at the messianic fulfillment of the Feast of Pentecost. Shavuot was fulfilled by the birth of the church. In Acts chapter 21, uh, uh, sorry, um, I, I wonder if I'm helping my... Uh, In Acts chapter 2, I do have it, yes, Uh, verses 1 to 4, this is what it says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be uh, tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It was on the day of Pentecost when the church was born through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We know that this occasion marks the birth of the church because of Jesus' words to the disciples. While he was still with them, he commanded them uh, in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 5. I'm not sure if I have that, but it says this. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak of. And verse 5, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, was poured out upon uh, the believers in such a way that had never occurred before in the history of Israel. In fulfillment of the prophecy given by Joel, uh, and in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. Do I have that one? Joel? No, I don't have it. Um, So there the church had begun. Joel chapter 2 is a beautiful uh, portion of scripture. The Haftorah portion read in synagogue for the first day of Shavuot is Ezekiel chapter 1 verses 1 uh, to 28 and also in uh, Ezekiel chapter 3 verses 12. Imagine thousands of Jewish people uh, or or worshippers leaving the temple after the morning worship had just been read from this passage in Ezekiel chapter 1. They may not have seen the fire, but they heard the noise that sounded like rushing wind. A roaring noise. No wonder they were amazed and perplexed. It certainly got their attention. On that day, when Peter preached an anointed sermon to Jewish people from all over the diaspora, uh, 3,000 Jewish people came to faith in the Messiah. I tell you, friends, you know, when we see this in the book of Acts, uh, especially us as Jewish people, we long for that day again where we're going to see God pour out his Holy Spirit upon the Jewish community and where there would be hundreds, if not thousands, who come to know Jesus as their Messiah. I believe that day is coming soon. Now, 
If it is true that the Feast of Pentecost is the anniversary of the giving of the law, then we see such a contrast to those two occasions. For on the day that the law was given from Mount Sinai, 3,000 years, uh, uh, you know, uh, 3,000 Jewish people uh, died uh, because of uh, the Golden Calf Rebellion, okay? Uh, Yet on the day that the Spirit was given, 3,000 Jewish people came to faith, came to faith, and we're born again. Isn't uh, this what uh, Paul meant when he said, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6? The glory of God was present at the giving of the law, and the same glory was manifested at the giving of the Holy Spirit on that day of Shavuot, almost 3,000 years ago. It was on this Shavuot that the early uh, believers were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, John the Baptist said uh, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, I'm not sure if I, yes, I do have that. He said, I baptize you uh, with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than, than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Why do we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because we as human beings are unable to live up to the holy standards that are set in the law. There are 613 laws in the Torah. Who can keep all of them? Not one of us. You know, friends, normally when we read the Ten Commandments, we think, okay, that's it, that's the law. But for Jewish people, we have 613 laws in Torah, in the, old, uh, in the uh, first five books of Moses, and uh, we're commanded to keep each and every one of them. Does that mean that the law is inadequate? Uh, no, it means that we are inadequate as human beings. While Moses was still uh, on the mountain receiving the law, the children of Israel were engaging in idolatry, drunkenness, and sexual immorality. They thought Moses was taking his time in coming down the mountain. So they made for themselves another God. Even after the law was read to them and uh, they all shouted, we will do all that the law has, uh, has, uh, all the law tells us to do. They still completely disobeyed the law. I mean, you know, it's incredible how short our memory span is or, you know, how, you know, how we fail in, in, in uh, remembering what, what, what God does for us. The interest, interesting thing is this, that their disobedience was no surprise to God. We see in the book of Deuteronomy that God told Moses to write a song that will be a witness against Israel when they disobey his law in the future. You see, God uh, knew that his people would be we would not be able to keep his law and his covenant. He knew it was not in man to be holy, righteous, and God-fearing. So what, what's the answer, friends? The answer is given to us by Jeremiah the prophet, uh, who said that God would write his laws on our hearts if we believed in him. And also in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 to 27, I think I might have that, thank you. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you uh, your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 
And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Are some of these, these uh, scriptures at all familiar to you, friends? They really are, are stunning. They are, you know, because um, God's promises never fail. The answer is that God will give man the ability to obey him. You know, again, uh, I, know, I don't know about you, but I, I really become quite depressed when I see the Middle East today. And, um, it, you know, it causes me to pray as well. It causes me to pray as well. And I see that, you know, that we fail, we fail, we fail God in such, such huge ways, you know. But God never fails us. He will never fail us. And I, I really know that to be true, uh, personally. Um, God will put his spirit in man, and that, will be, that we, we will be able to follow uh, him and uh, be obedient to his laws, something he was um, unable to do uh, in his own strength, because we cannot do it in our own strength. We try often to obey God and to, to be as uh, you know, uh, godly as possible, but we, we, we really do fail. This is uh, the gospel of the Messiah, the new covenant that Jesus ushered in for those who would believe in him. And, you know, friends, um, in a, a few weeks' time, I'm going to be taking a, a group of people from Australia uh, to Turkey and Israel. Um, and we'll be, um, we'll be doing a, 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 a visit through, through Turkey and Israel for three weeks. So uh, following the footsteps of Paul uh, and, 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 of course, Jesus, our Messiah. And uh, along, along the way, I have, um, uh, I'll be engaging this group of people that will be coming with me uh, to, to, um, to meet with Jewish people. Um, today, there's still uh, Jewish people in, uh, in Turkey. <laughs> uh, it was known in Paul's uh, time as Asia Minor. And, of course, Paul was born in Asia Minor, as you well know, in uh, the city of Tarsus. And um, in uh, uh, the middle 1400s, the, uh, Jewish people were around uh, just over 500,000 in, uh, uh, you know, in strength in, 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 in Asia Minor, in, in Turkey. And uh, today... There are now, I think, something like 23,000. So um, through all of the um, uh, pogroms that have occurred <laughs> in and around that region, uh, Jewish people have fled. But there's still a remnant there. There's still a remnant of Jewish people there. And um, I'm hoping to meet with them in Istanbul and also in Ephesus. Um, these two incredible places, there's still Jewish people there. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really so keyed up to, to, uh, to meeting with them and also at this point in time presenting them as, uh, as a Jew who lives today uh, that uh, indeed uh, Messiah has come and, and he is the one who has fulfilled every credential that Messiah was to fulfill and his name is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Please uh, pray for us as we go through uh, the, these two, two countries. In Israel, we'll, we will be doing uh, as a group again. And, and, and these are people that are coming from all over uh, Australia, from Queensland, from, uh, from, from New South Wales, from Victoria, from Western Australia, um, you know, uh, from ACT. Uh, we'll be coming from all over the place. 
And uh, in Israel, we'll be uh, um, meeting with a number of Jewish people, a number of Jewish people, uh, both who know Jesus as the Messiah and those who don't. And we are hoping that our, our, our words and then our deeds are going to uh, truly be a light uh, in, in, in this part of the world and that they would indeed see that indeed Jesus the Messiah does live in, uh, in, in, uh, uh, in his people today. So um, I have hope that as this beautiful festival um, uh, marks uh, uh, on the Jewish calendar, uh, Shavuot, uh, which speaks of great hope, great hope that, uh, that God is, is, is in the business of, of changing people, um, uh, through his Holy Spirit, he can do so, and, and he does uh, still today. Um, I have a little book table out here. Please have a look at some of the things on the book table. There's some news, newsletters there. Uh, if you would like to get one of them, please take one of them off the book table. And if you'd like to get them on a regular basis, they're free. Please, uh, please, uh, would you give us your name, and uh, we'd love to send it to you. Um, there's some books there as well, and you're welcome to have a look at them. They're for sale. Um, I would ask you, don't give up on Jewish people today, <laughs> uh, you know, especially here in Australia, um, where, you know, um, we are so far from everything. Um, in fact, you know, uh, here in, in, in Melbourne, um, um, you know, I have a Jewish family here uh, who are ultra-Orthodox, and um, they are Lubavitch, they are a, a particular sect of Judaism, uh, and they, you know, they don't even think about Jesus being the Messiah. And of course, they they know of uh, they know the work that I do uh, as a, a missionary with Celebrate Messiah, and they they don't like it at all. They're quite uh, uh, quite disrespectful of it completely. But that does not that's not uh, the the issue. The issue is that that God open up the the, the eyes of the uh, in in the hearts of Jewish people today, and that can only happen. Um, uh, uh, through him, yes, we have our, our part to play, and that is by spe- sharing at the right time and doing uh, deeds that that, that warrant uh, uh, his word, uh, which is is, a, is wonderful uh, wonderful uh, news. Because I hear that uh, you have a soup kitchen. This is incredible. That, that is uh, that is truly uh, worth uh, worthy of of uh, of, uh, um, of the Lord. You know, because um, that's what Jesus would do. That's what God would do. He would, um, he would, um, he would help those who can't help themselves. And so, don't forget us, friends. Pray for the Jewish community. I would ask you to do that. Uh, not only here in, in, in Australia, but also in Israel, where we really need your praise right now. There's a lot of things going on there which is, seems to be out of control. And um, uh, continue to, um, you know, I've just spoke, spoke, spoken to this gentleman tonight, and he, he has a Jewish friend, and he keeps on speaking to him about uh, the Messiah who is in his heart, this Jewish Messiah who is in his heart. And I, I believe, you know, that those words are eventually uh, going to uh, have that impact upon this uh, person where, please God, he will come to faith in Jesus. So um, that's, uh, that's just this little message. And I really hope that, um, that you too um, would continue to receive the blessing of the, the Holy Spirit throughout uh, your walk with Jesus. And if you would just allow me to pray for you before I end.